Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. All right, welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. We are talking about the AFC North today post the NFL draft. We've been doing this with all the divisions. Going back, we did the NFC North earlier this week, got into some fun uh, arguments, topics of discussion with people commenting here on YouTube, which is awesome. So you can now watch the, the watch the podcast live on YouTube, on the Draft Network's YouTube channel. So you should go there. You should subscribe um, and comment and join along with us. We had a lot of interaction on Monday's show, so that was that was really fun for us. So we're going to do that. We're going to talk about the AFC North. We're going to look at this list from Mike Taglier, uh, who has the top 50 rookie rankings, and kind of where his is, where the consensus is, and where there's some difference. So we talked about it a little uh, on Monday's show because Jamie was questioning uh, how come DeAndre Swift wasn't in that top three. So we're going to revisit this list. So this is this is going to be fun for us. So, guys, let's, let's kick things off um, with a message from Paige. Okay, so we're going to usually – usually I rant or Jake rants at the end of the podcast. But today's rant is brought to you by the beginning of the podcast because – you're lucky y'all didn't get a rant yesterday when this was happening in real life. So this is to all the Buccaneers, nice Buccaneers fans, right? So this is less ranting and more appreciation. Thank you for all the kind messages that you sent me on Twitter. Because as you can imagine, my Twitter DMs rarely are nice messages. They are more often than not a strange grouping of weird men sending me various items, okay, messages, whatever. So to get nice messages from all guys, Buccaneers fans, apologizing on behalf of all the other Buccaneers fans that were borderline harassing me on social media, I wouldn't even say borderline, harassment would be the right word. Uh, And I wouldn't even call them Buccaneers fans because if you're a fan of a team you love your team and you're ride or die for your team. And I can't imagine a world in which any team is having an easier time enjoying their off season than a Buccaneers fan. So I say all that to say Jameis stands. I was today years old when I figured out that there were Jameis stands. Okay. I didn't even know that this was a thing that existed, but it, it is, it is very much a, a grouping of people on social media. I do not want to argue with you anymore. You can live in your delusional world where you think that Jameis Winston is the greatest quarterback of all time. I have news for you. You are wrong. There is no in-between. This isn't an argument that I'm going to have with you anymore. So go watch. As, As they all told me to go watch film, I would gladly sit around and do that all day long. Okay? So thanks for telling me something that I already do and enjoy doing. And I'm going to get off my soapbox now. But Jameis stands chill out. I already muted all of you. I muted the word Jameis Winston. So I can't even see anything that you're saying ever again. So enjoy yelling into the abyss. And I hope that you all listen to this podcast. So I'm quite sure that this will end up on Buccaneers social, but the the crazy thing is you guys, I'm talking legitimately like 15 people messaged me and we're like, we love your show. We love the draft network. We're so sorry. Like I've never had anybody apologize on behalf of somebody else. So I thought it was 
like I'm sincere in saying like I, it was really cool to get like nice messages from Bucks fans because they felt really bad. Like, trust me, Bucks fans, I'm not mad at all of you. I'm mad at Jameis stands. They're totally different, totally different categories. Okay, totally different categories. So, uh, Jake, any any anything you want to say? You just want to stay quiet over there during this. No, I'll, you just smile. I'll touch it. I mean, it's 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 the most. Uh... I can't say interesting fan base, but it is the most polarizing player I've ever seen. Yeah. All I want to say is good he's a good way. kid. He's a hard-ass worker. I wish him nothing but the best. I've never wished him anything but the best. I had his back all last year. I made one thing about a Google comment, which was a dumbass comment, about Googling how to play quarterback. And I, from all of the love that I got on Twitter was about some comment he made about Dirk Cutter a couple years ago. It was still a stupid comment. Uh, but I wish him the best. I, I do. I Nothing but the best. I wish the Bucks the best moving forward. As far as me bragging about getting Tom Brady, I'm happy as hell. I should. I'm a Bucks fan. I should be happy as hell about Brady and Gronk. Because you know why? Anybody else that's not in their colors that's playing for them next year, I wish the best. I don't really care about. I'm going to root for the guys that are on the team. As of right now, those guys are on the team. That's about all I got. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good transition for us, right? Like I. Bucks, I, I literally could stay on this forever because I think it is wild. Like I truly am struggling with the fact, and I want Jamie's opinion here because I can't imagine. I'm just trying to envision other than the Chiefs who are celebrating a Super Bowl, like any other fan base that could be as excited as Buccaneers fans. And I'm talking about a, a, a grouping of people that are upset about having Tom Brady. And I just cannot fathom it. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a little disappointed that nobody's talking shit to me. I feel a little <laughs> left out in this in this what this social media war. I just found out about it right before we started the show, so I'm a little hurt, but that's okay. I'll, I'll get over it. Uh, no, look, look. The reality is, is I, I think sometimes, and this this happens in in just the the real real regular world, not just sports world, but arguments get predetermined in people's heads before they even listen to other people's opinions are. And I, and I don't think if you've listened to the show with any level of regularity dating back to two or three years ago, our opinions about Jameis have not really changed a bunch. We've qualified them. We've talked about certain things. No one is saying Jameis Winston's a terrible football player. No one has said that on the show. No one is going to say that on the show. We were comparing the quarterback situation in Tampa from what Jameis Winston provided them last year, the good and the really bad to what future Hall of Fame, six-time Super Bowl winning quarterback Tom Brady could bring them. That's the comparison we're making. And if it, I, you cannot make a compelling football argument to me that you would rather have Jameis Winston, all things equal, compared to Tom Brady. That's not to say Jameis Winston doesn't deserve to be in the NFL. It's not to say he doesn't deserve to be a starter somewhere, even though he won't be this year. It's just to say that you would take Tom Brady 10 times out of 10 over Jameis Winston. And I don't think that's a hot take. I really don't. And, and you, you could say that Tom Brady is an improvement without saying Jameis is bad. Like, I don't think people are listening Thank to you. the words that we are saying on the show. I think they just hear what they want to hear. I, I, we were all optimistic about Jameis Winston in year one under Bruce Arians. And in some ways, there was a lot of success. But there was also an abundant amount of failure, that, and especially in, in close games or starting games out, down 7 nothing, down 14 nothing. How many times have we referenced that on the show? How many times have Jake referenced the being the most generous team in the NFL? 
Like we, we have said this very consistently and we have talked about Jameis every single week during the regular season when we cover Tampa Bay from the pregame and the Monday show postgame. We've been very consistent on our stances. They haven't changed. The only thing that changed is we now had another player to compare him to when Tom Brady was decided to go to Tampa Bay. And in that comparison, Jameis is not winning, period, end of story. Jamie, that's a very rational, well-said argument. That's the problem. It's rational. People we're talking about, let's just wish him the best and and move on because the rational argument doesn't matter. Nobody could could sing his praises more than I did after a loss in Seattle in overtime. Nobody. It's very true. And then I flipped the script to the London game against the Carolina Panthers with seven turnovers. That's that's the dichotomy that was the season and his five years. So, look, again, great kid. I like him. I respect him. I wish him well. I've known him a long time. I don't have any ill will towards him at all. Uh, So let's move on to the show because we got an awesome comment here, and the Ravens front office should be arrested from an illegally good draft. We'll we'll, we'll jump in on that. that 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 is a good topic, and we'll transition. And my last parting thought here on this is that, if you think you know more about quarterbacks than Bruce Arians, I would love to have a conversation with you. So just dial it in and be excited about the fact that you have an awesome team. Like buy in because I, as I said on social media, I am happy. The grass is not always greener, people. I have Nick Foles in Chicago, and I would love to give you that situation. Feel free. You guys want to trade places? I'm happy to do it. In a heartbeat, Buccaneers fans, because trust me, I would much rather be uh, in Tampa as a Bucks fan, knowing that I had Tom Brady, than sitting up in Chicago with Nick Foles. So that's that's the parting thought. Just the grass is not always greener. So just just be careful what you wish for over there, uh, Tampa Bay. All right, we have we have a guy here, Cali kid, who just said this, and it's the perfect thing to say as I set up and tee up this Baltimore Ravens conversation because. The rich get richer. They continue to do what they do year in and year out. And he said the Ravens front office should be arrested for thievery. Their draft was so good. And he's not wrong. This was one of the. what they do every year. It's what they do every year, right? It's what they do every year. So I'll run through this list here. Patrick Queen, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Matabuke, Malik Harrison, Tyree Phillips, Ben Bredson, Roderick Washington, James Prochet, Geno Stone, right? So you hear, as we talked about on Monday show, you're going to go through this list and you go, man, quite a few guys that are probably going to be starters on this team. And, and this, is, this is what Baltimore does consistently. So, Jamie, I know I teed it up that, that this was a really, really good draft, but I don't know any other way to tee it up. Yeah, Baltimore has been excellent at – I know it's a cliche, but it fits here – letting the draft fall to them. And, and a lot of that is a product of building a solid team overall. You don't have the luxury of letting the draft fall to you when you have massive holes at multiple positions. You have to then reach. You have to go figure out how are we going to get a quarterback? How are we going to get a tackle? How are we going to get this? They were able to let the draft come to them. They got Patrick Queen at a great value. They got J.K. Dobbins at a value. Even though that's not a position of need right now, it's a position that might be a need two years from now if they decide not to pay Mark Ingram another contract, which they probably shouldn't with the young guys they have there and Justice Hill and Gus Edwards still being there. So that's one that you got to like that there. Uh, Duvernay is an interesting one. I know that, that name didn't get brought up in the first run through, but in the third round at wide receiver, he could be – he's raw. He's a, he's really fast and has great hands, but all the aspects of playing the position he needs to work on. But you look at a guy that can be a difference maker – 
on a field that already now you can put him on the field with a healthy Hollywood Brown. That's a lot of speed. Get James Prochet late, which was a steal. You're starting to add those weapons around Lamar Jackson because that's where the progression needs to come. Lamar Jackson's not going to have a better season if he has to do it all on his own. It's putting better pieces and healthier pieces, in the case of Marquise Brown, around him and allowing that to happen with a little bit of regression to that you would expect to kind of keep that same level of production. So I really love this draft. They got a, they have three or four starters, uh, even as good of a team as they are, they probably have three or four starters out of this draft already. Uh, I, I, it, I don't know how you could be other, anything other than really excited to be a Ravens fan. And just, this is what they do. This is what they've done pretty much since the, the organization came into existence. Of all the teams that were players that I drive the train on, I, I don't know who I, – I'm always on board with the front office. Ozzie Newsome, phenomenal. They didn't miss a beat, and Jamie said it perfectly. They let it come to them. They didn't have to trade up to take any of these guys. Patrick Queen falls in their lap. I, don't, I still don't know why Proshi is in the sixth round. I, he was on a lot of the big boards in the middle of the fourth, and he, I don't know – I haven't heard why. The kid can play. He's more polished than DuVernay, but DuVernay is an absolute burner – built hands they can use him as crazy as this offense is they can use him so many different ways if i had to knock it and i'm only doing that so we can talk about something else other than how great this draft was i would have liked to see them get some offensive line help earlier but i, I don't know how do you it's perfect you, you yeah. just went you had the phenomenal record last year number one seed this draft falls in your lap you get a player like patrick queen i mean we got to talk about this the game has changed since Ray Lewis was their middle linebacker, one of the greatest of all time. To get a guy that can run, he's a little bit undersized, but a guy that can run, cover backs out of the backfield, cover tight ends, run sideline to sideline. That's what playing linebacker is anymore. He's about 230. It's not the 255 Ray Lewis played yeah. at. But a player like that late in the first round that you can plug and play as a starter coming out of LSU, come on. So, some of them, yeah, some of the most fun tape that I know the guys love watching from the draft network is Patrick Queen. He's just, he's, he's a phenomenal athlete. This is, a position of, of, of need for them. It was something that they needed to add here and getting JK and he's Dobbins. Not, yeah. He's not I mean, quite Devin white either. Like let's, yeah. let's, I do want to like Devin's two forty five and ran four three, but they played the same position and they're mm -hmm. both sideline to sideline. So you see that a lot of the same production, you'll see a lot of the same speed, just not in the 245 pound frame that made Devin like, you know, a top seven pick, but very similar player. Yeah, I see why the comparisons are there. Obviously, it's just you know, be, I, I hate I hate that everybody has to make a comparison about everything. But Patrick Queen's a phenomenal athlete, going to be great for this team. J.K. Dobbins is a guy, Jamie, that lands on Mike Tagliere's list for fantasy dynasty rankings, right? So he's he's ninth overall on on this list. He, there's I also want to pull up the consensus rankings because I believe yeah, he's the the consensus rankings are have him as fourth. Um, the Tagliere's rankings have him at ninth. So what are your thoughts and, and the way too early kind of assessment here for, for dynasty leagues to start looking at a guy like a JK Dobbins? Yeah, I'm closer to, uh, Mike Tagliere's ranking than I think the consensus. It, it, it's just that I don't know to take him fourth. You're assuming he's going to get the clear cut majority of the carries two, three years from now. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I'm not sure they're always going to have multiple backs in that backfield. That Justice Hill's not going to be their third down pass catching guy. And, and Dobbins is used more in first and second down. I just, to me, the other backs have a much clearer path to being 
RB1 fantasy territory. They think J.K. Dobbins, even if it's a good situation, you want a piece of the lead running back on Baltimore. But I just I feel like there's too many other guys that are going to be there. Like in two years, who's taking touches away from Swift? Who's taking touches away from Jonathan Taylor? Who's taking touches you know, away from Clyde Edwards-Hellair two years from now? I think it's more likely that the players are taking touches out of J.K. Dobbins' hands, both by design and because of the other talent around them. Yeah. That's very well said there, Jamie. I mean, J.K. Dobbins slid for a reason. If he didn't play at Ohio State and you're just putting him up against a lot of these other guys, you see the limitations. Extremely productive. His career in college was phenomenal. He runs hard. He's a great kid. The story is phenomenal, all that stuff. But he is limited in his skill set a little bit here and there, and that's why Justice Hill is so important in that backfield moving forward in the future. Still a great pickup where they got him. I mean, uh, that, it's, it's solid. Yeah, it's they had a solid draft, but we we know we got to give them a draft grade. So I know you guys like the draft. It sounds like there's it's leaning towards a high draft grade. So Jamie, what's the draft grade here for the Baltimore Ravens? I give them an A. I thought they did a really good job again, not just in the early rounds, but coming back late with a guy like Proche. And actually, Douglas O'Connor's comment here makes it, it goes into that equation. It's it's not having holes on your team, and he says having healthy cap. And again, they don't put they're not desperate very often. The, the, we never talk about the Ravens being they desperately need to find a, this player. They desperately need to add this. And you do what they they mold their team very consistently every year. Their cap situation is solid. It's kind of what the Colts have been doing. Now, the Ravens have been doing it longer, but the Colts have been doing the last few years where they're able to let the drafts come to them. They're able to do a lot of things in free agency. They're able to move a first round pick for a difference maker on the offense on the defensive line and still come back with two very, very solid second round picks because they weren't desperate to fill one specific need at any area. And that allows so much flexibility when you don't have to reach and overdraft or have to basically say, we're drafting starters because we can't afford to pay veterans because of our cap situation. It allows you to get these best players available every year. Yeah, yeah no, that goes back with them past, sorry, Paige, the year 2000. Right. I mean, Brian Billick, yeah. but it all, you know, Bashadi has been a phenomenal owner the whole time. Ozzy Newsom was one of the best GMs ever. Costa never left. Like he had, what, 15 chances to go be a GM somewhere else. He waited out until it was his, and then his, his first draft is spectacular. But there's a reason they're never like a bad year, seven and nine for them, because their cap situation is always great. They always have solid players everywhere. They do what they do well going back that far. And now with hardball, Humphrey, great defense, special teams, run the ball. You're in a lot of games. Don't beat yourself. Don't make mistakes. But to Paige's point, they're never desperate. Other than paying Flacco, that giant contract, which they got out of pretty easily, uh, you can't remember anybody getting crazy overpaid or them reaching on too much stuff. I mean, they just – they really are the model front office. So, I, I, my grade is an A as well. That was just awesome. Yeah, and they had to play Flacco, right? Like, they had to they had to pay him after after you win a Super Bowl. It's just kind of some of the things that, that have to happen for, for the team. But I want everyone to target in on what Jake said because he, he spoke about ownership and GM and head coach it's the whole system it's not one it's not two it's all of it collectively working together to have success and so often that more often than not that is not happening in the nfl you don't have all three of those parts collectively bought into the same mission and the same vision and ownership really taking total back seat to i trust my gm i trust my head coach it's very rare in professional sports in general. It's not just the NFL. There's a lot of, of meddling that happens across professional sports, but this is one of those cases where 
That's why kind of last year or not last season, but the season before when there was that talk about John Harbaugh losing his job, everybody on on this whole podcast was like, that is absolutely not going to happen. Like 0% chance. And if, if, if Baltimore even thought about it, he would have a hundred, like he would have any job he ever wanted. Right. Cause that's just how it is. He's, he's good enough. You fire your coach to bring him in. If yeah. you have oh, to. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. that, he's that kind of level. And look, we, we talk about this a lot, but comparing football to real life, uh, that's how the top businesses in the world operate. I don't know why sometimes there's this disconnect in the way people view. I, I know the NFL is different in the sense that it's, it's a sports league, but basic business principles are basic business principles. That's, the best companies in the world are led top down. And that is how you cultivate a workplace environment of success. That matters in sports too. That doesn't just go out the window because it's it's a professional sports organization. Well said, James. You're on the you're on your rational take game today. So I hope, <laughs> I know, I hope I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to get any hate mail. You're me. not going to get any. Well, I hope that people listen because man, oh, I'll say something stupid before the end of the show. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you should just piss off Raiders fans just to do it. We're not talking about. Really I'm not a Raiders hater thing. anymore. I only I only hate when they no. give me a reason to. I really like to get back to those days where you were really making everyone in, uh, in, in Oakland oh. days upset in Oakland days, but we're, we're moved on to Vegas where you're a big fan, which, which makes sense. If you know, Jamie. I'm fair. I feel like I'm fairly critical. I'll be critical when it's fair. And when I'll praise, when I praise, like I, I don't That's have it. I, we talked in the show. I don't have any hatred toward any, the Boston Red Sox are the only professional sports <laughs> team. I have any <laughs> hatred towards everybody else. It's just, it depends on the situation. Like I'm, I, I feel like I'm fair. I'm pretty objective, but pretty much every other uh, sports yeah. team. Jamie is very objective unless it's the Boston Red Sox. I will. Right. I have encountered many conversations where there's no objectivity when it comes to Boston, but that is okay. It's just the Red Sox. It is just the Red Sox. All right. The Cincinnati Bengals right on time. Uh, we got a couple of comments about in YouTube on our YouTube channel here about the Cincinnati Bengals. We are just going in to talk about them. So, Number one overall, no surprise. There was uh, a lot of uh, shenanigans leading up to this, but Jamie and I, I think this was about four or five months ago, we're like, just lock, right? We were like, lock one, lock two. We don't want to hear about it. Don't discuss it. it. It was ridiculous that it was even a discussion, but Joe Burrow, number one overall, obviously the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, a couple of other picks here, obviously T, T Higgins, Marcus Bailey, Khalid Kareem, um, but two guys that end up on that fantasy list that I'm talking about. So T Higgins, Joe Burrow, both in there, both in the top 25, Joe Burrow, 15, T Higgins, number 19, Jamie, obviously there was a lot of excitement about Joe Burrow for obvious reasons in, in the, uh, in the state of Ohio. So we know this is a tough division. We know this is going to be they're over under five and a half wins. So, what did you like about their draft, other than the obvious they they got their quarterback in the future? Well, they got the quarterback of the future. They got a very dynamic wide receiver that I thought was going to go in the first round, and they didn't waste any time putting him in the first pick of the second round. They also got a fast rising linebacker that there was at least a little bit of talk about him going in the first round in Logan Wilson, and I think he's going to be a starter for them right away. Uh, this Bengals team is interesting. I was actually talking with uh, uh, James Rapian of the uh, of all Bengals uh, on the Sports Illustrated Network, and he talked about how they were basically remade a lot of that defense because that that defense has seen a lot of turnover the last couple seasons. They've completely remade that. You look at all the playmakers that they have on offense now. When you add Burrow, you add T. Higgins with a healthy, presumably AJ Green. You have John Ross for one more year. Tyler Boyd's locked up. Joe Mixon, we assume, will be in camp on time, but we'll see how that plays out. I mean, you have a lot of playmakers now on that team. Now, they're in a 
very tough division and they're still young and they're going to have to rely on a lot of young guys on both sides of the ball to get them there. And they still have some offensive line issues that need to be addressed. But uh, I, I don't know how they could have had a better draft than what they did. You got the quarterback of the future that you needed. Uh, I'm very interested to see how he plays out in year one. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to get drafted in single QB leagues in fantasy, but uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to, cause I, it's not an easy path for rookie quarterbacks to get in the top 12. Kyler Murray was able to do it last year, but Burrow doesn't have those auxiliary rushing yards that Murray has not to that extent. Uh, he can move, but not to that extent that, that Kyler Murray was last season and what we expect from him this year. But uh, for dynasty formats, again, uh, the rankings all depend on what the age of your quarterbacks are. You know, if you're looking to replace a quarterback, if again, if you have Drew Brees and Tom Brady in dynasty, it's very imperative now that you're, you're heavy, heavy on reaching on these young QBs because in, in a multi-quarterback dynasty league, you can't afford to go a year without one. But in just regular, maybe you have, uh, you know, somebody in their mid to late 20s or you have a Lamar Jackson as only single quarterback, then you can kind of sit back and wait. I don't anticipate Burrow becoming a top three fantasy quarterback in the next few years. Maybe a couple years from now. I think the biggest thing is they got to re-sign Mixon. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option on John Ross, so you know this is his last year there. Yeah, A.J. Green's probably his last year there if they don't move him before the season starts. I expect him to go with A.J. Green, though. But if you have Tyler Boyd, Mixon, that's why I love the T. Higgins pick. They need offensive line help, and there were some guys that they could have taken with the first pick of the second round. But you can't pass up T. Higgins, who everybody had in the mid-20s, definitely a first-rounder. Big catch radius, a guy a lot like A.J. Green, right? Uh, maybe not quite the wheels that A.J. had in his early, early career, but now they're spending a year together. I love T. Higgins in the future. I, I think it's Tyler Boyd's moved all over the place. He's been successful. They're going to have him. You know, and then maybe they get John Ross back and they don't pick up that fifth year option. They just resign him as a free agent or whatever. But I expect him to be gone as well. But that I mean that's your big three. I expect them to have a lot of success moving forward. I I don't think it's gonna be a terrible year for Joe Burrow, probably throw a lot of picks because they're not gonna be winning a lot of games. I love the Wilson addition, too. That's a great point, Jamie. Getting a starting linebacker in a third round on a defense that drastically needs help. Um, they're not gonna win a lot of games, but I love what they did. And anytime you get the quarterback of the future, you got your wide receiver, one of the future, who's going to sit. And if he gets to spend a year with AJ green, I don't know what else you could, how else that could be more beneficial for this kid. Plus they're all going to be out there together. At this point, you could go AJ green, Higgins, Boyd, Ross, and Mixon. That's an interesting four wide package. Uh, I'm not real sure how you stop other than you you can get to the quarterback because offensive line is not very good, but. That's a lot of weapons for one year. Yeah, I think it's exciting if you're a Bengals fan. It's also a a pretty decent situation for a rookie to walk into, right? When you look a lot of these times when these are teams that are picking first or picking second, it's for a reason, right? The team's not very good. There's not a lot of talent on the roster. But offensively, with the exception of that line that needs help and has needed help for a long time, he's walking into a, a pretty good situation with the weapons around him. So I think I'm excited to see what Burrow can do. Obviously uh, concerned about keeping him upright as uh, everybody should be. Cause I've, you've seen that offensive line and what Andy Dalton's taken 
over the last few years, just a lot of lickings because of that offensive line. But Burrow's younger. a mother rushing the passer. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the other concern, right? So, But Burrow's younger younger guy can move more than Andy can, so we'll see what he can bring to the table. Let's, let's give out some draft grades here. Jamie, what's the draft grade for the Cincinnati Bengals? I, I give them an A. I mean, look, they had the benefit of picking at the top of the draft every round or pretty yeah. much every round, so I mean, they, they should have gotten an A from it, but – like we did, you find your QB of the future. As Jake said, you find your wide receiver one of the future. You find a starting linebacker. Those are just your first three picks. And I like some of their other defensive picks late that could be difference makers a couple of years from now. They did about as good as you can ask them. And, and they're look, they're on the rise. They're on the way up. They're in a very, very tough division right now. So it's going to keep them down for a little bit. But uh, look, the Vegas. there's a reason why the Vegas total is three wins more than they had last year. They're a better team overall, and they're starting to make that ascent. And that they are an exciting team. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to be an exciting team. And we've talked about this before with these offenses, a lot like Detroit, where you don't want to play them. If you may have some defensive injuries and you're going into their home stadium, they can put 35 on you real quick. And they're going to force some of these really good teams in that division to play their ass off to get a win in Cincinnati. Jake draft grade here for Cincinnati. I'd give it an A minus B plus. I mean, I liked it. Uh, There's some other teams that maybe had more starters, maybe more impact players for next year, but I, I like what they did a lot. I mean, but to have the first pick of the draft, it was solid. Yeah, they should be excited if you're a Cincinnati fan. I think this is going to be the one of those teams. Hopefully, from a offensive perspective, my excitement level with Kyler Murray in Arizona and some of the, uh, last season where you're looking at a team that. Didn't have a great defense. Offensive line wasn't necessarily that great, but you had some excitement on offense, and they stayed in a lot of games. They only won five, five and a and a and a, and a half a win, right? Because they got the the tie last year in Arizona, so it kind of feels very similar to to what Cincinnati might end up doing this year. They did go up half a win uh, in my bookie. They were five, went up to five and a half, and same with Cleveland uh, as we transition to talk about them. So. Cleveland Browns had themselves a pretty good draft. They've had themselves a pretty good offseason, right? It very, very different uh, from last offseason where there was a lot of, as we say on the podcast, substance over swag. They're doing the meat and potatoes thing now. They're going after making sure that offensive line is in a really good place, and they address that in free agency, and they address that with their first overall pick. They go Jedrick Wills. Uh, who a lot of people had as the number one overall guy on their board. Grant Delpit, Jacob Phillips, Jordan Elliott, Harrison Bryant, Nick Harris, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones is 40th on that that list. Listen, I I didn't even want to touch on anybody past the top 25, but I'll mention it. It's like a, it's like a nice, Hey, by the way, he, he makes the list, but the, the obvious stuff here, the meat and potatoes, the, the stuff that's exciting, that first overall pick, Jamie, addressing, making sure that Baker Mayfield is not running for his life again this season. They go with Jedrick Wills with their first overall pick. What, were, what was your thoughts on, on their draft? That this was the offseason theme for them the entire time. continued that stake over sizzle. You now have bookend the tackles. You now have Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin when you paid up for. You, you are making concerted effort to – protect Baker Mayfield. And if any quarterback in the world is going to be better with a clean pocket than they are without period, end of story. 
So give Baker Mayfield as many clean pockets as he can. Don't let him get antsy. And you've put enough weapons around him on the field with Odo Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper. And you have all these pieces there now that that offense, if they can keep Baker Mayfield upright, is going to be very dynamic. So I love that pick there. That was the obvious need they needed to address, and they did. Uh, I like the Grant Delpit pick in round two. I look, the tackling issues are an issue, and tackling issues are what Cleveland secondary is full of right now. So that's going to be very interesting to watch because there's a lot of talent, but a lot of guys that if they catch the ball on them, will they be able to keep them out of the end zone at any point? Uh, but I also want to see Delvit back healthy and, and how much of his tackling concerns, how much of that stuff was because he was hurt for most of the season. So I like those two picks there. Harrison Bryan is a worthwhile project uh, that they got in the fourth round. And look, at Donovan Peoples-Jones, I don't know if he can play the actual wide receiver position, but he's going to be afforded at least a little time here to sit back and learn. And learn from uh, – maybe you don't want to learn from some of the off-the-field stuff, but there's a lot of on-the-field things you can learn from Otto Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry and company. And maybe you can pick up on some of it because he's got a lot of athleticism, but he just doesn't have all the pieces that you want to see in a wide receiver. Never had a 100-yard game in college despite all that talent, despite being that five-star recruit. He's a, he's a worthwhile project in the late rounds, but not somebody I'm touching in dynasty formats. Yeah, I mean, Wills is my favorite tackle of the draft. My only knock on it is they needed a left tackle, and he is a plug-and-play best right tackle I've seen in a long time. He's going to make the switch to the left side. So while you're the one picking there, we're expecting – I mean, the other guy's played more left tackle than Jedrick Wills did. I think he could do it. He's athletic. I mean, the punch is ridiculous. He played in that system. Uh, so I still love the pick. I, it's weird because none of those guys were really true left tackles this year. There's a bunch of really, really good right tackles. Yeah. but uh, And I, I love him. I thought he was awesome. Delpit played injured, I think, all last year. Had a much better 18 than 19. They're now pretty loaded at safety. They're pretty loaded in the secondary. Um, Bryant, I like. I mean, if you still got Njoku, you got Hooper, you now have serious depth at tight end. You don't have to play him right away. He can learn from those guys. Uh, People's Jones is interesting. I mean, he's not playing unless they have some injuries, but they still got some guys there. And say what you want about those two guys, that off the field stuff, whatever. They both work their asses off and they work yeah. at their craft. So learning that, he played a weird system in college to not have 100 yards. All that, he still should have. But that whole Michigan thing that they were running with Shea Patterson was such a weird thing anyway. Uh, so I thought it was solid, but their offseason as a whole, love it. You didn't hear any of the BS, bookend tackles. Meat and potatoes, guys that fill out a roster. They got now four safeties. Some of them are playing special teams, right? I mean, they got better everywhere, period. Yeah, I'm excited for Donovan Peoples-Jones because obviously I watch a lot of Big Ten, and if you watch Michigan, you know that Shea Patterson doesn't complete a lot of passes, so it's hard to actually have 100-yard games. So it's one of those things like let's put him behind. He's There's not going to be a lot of responsibilities. They have a very loaded wide receiver room, and like Jake said, I know that everybody talks about Odell and Jarvis and the off the, but those dudes are hard workers, man. They are always putting in work. Like that's the one thing you can never say about Odell. The man trains all the time. Jarvis trains all the time. So it'll be an interesting thing to see uh, if there is any, uh, you know, he picks up on anything early from just sitting behind in, in that wide receiver room. Jamie, give your overall draft grade here for the Cleveland Browns. Give him a B plus, A minus. Uh, I think like to Jake's point, if they got a true plug and play, you knew there was going to be almost no transition period for a left tackle. It would have been an A. Uh, but I really like what they did. They filled the, the holes that they had, that they needed to fill, the tackle one being the biggest one. 
Can't complain about the draft. They had a really, I know last offseason got all the headlines, but this was a significantly better offseason for them than what they did the year prior. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I'd say solid B, B plus. Uh, this offseason, including the coaching change uh, from top to bottom, uh, new GM who I, I really like. He's got some very interesting takes, very, very interesting guy. Um, if ownership can not meddle, take the key from from the Ravens and Bashadi to just step back. I don't think he's capable of doing that. Um, you know, we we got a comment here. Great roster on paper. Hopefully they can put it together. I think they have a lot better chance of putting it together this year. Our, all of our takes going into last season, I said before the season started, I don't care how good you are everywhere on this paper stuff. Your, your offensive line sucks. And, yeah. and it showed up and it struggled. And now you have bookend tackles. Um, and the attitude sucked. I mean, the, <laughs> look, last year when, when you take a team like that, and you, your biggest weakness is one of the, the keys to anybody's success, and the wheels fall off. You knew it was going downhill in a hurry. Mm-hmm. The same thing, I've, I've already said this on the show, can be said about this year. If they get going and the substance is there and the meat and potatoes is there, and now the swag can come out and this young team can go crazy, and you see Baker running up and down the side, you give me that back, I'd watch out. Watch out because I don't, 12 wins is not out of, out of the question. I think nine or 10 is more likely, but if they get hot late, that secondary solid, they can rush the passer. I mean, they're good. They're good. I mean, it's uh, a lot of this is going to be on Will's transition in the left side, yeah. which I, I fully expect him to do. But it, they, I mean, they're good. This division is a mother, but they got a lot better, in my opinion, this offseason than the year before. And the other piece we need to talk about, and look, again, well, I have to put out this caveat for obvious reasons, but on the field only, having Kareem Hunt for a full season is going to make a huge difference. That off, He is a, just again, just pure football. I know the off the field stuff, and I understand people don't want to hear it. I get it. So from strictly a football perspective, he is a game changer on that side of the ball. You saw a drop in Kansas City, as great as that offense is, with the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now, you saw a, a transition period without Kareem Hunt in that offense. And you saw how the Browns really started to get things going late in the season. Now, some of that correlated with a much easier schedule. So I think both those things need to be taken into account. But Kareem Hunt can do all of the things that Nick Chubb can't do. What Nick Chubb can do is elite, but he is not a great pass catcher. He's not a great route runner. Kareem Hunt can fix that area, and you can put them both on the field like they did last year and really confuse defenses. They're perfect complements for each other, and he's also a big factor in playing 16 games in theory if healthy versus only playing Week 10 and beyond last year. That's yeah. a great point, Jamie, and he is healthy, right? He had the surgery going in last yep. year with the eight-game suspension. He had the groin surgery, which it takes a while. He still played really good when he came in, uh, but him health, that's a great point. Him healthy with that, because you can move him all over the place. They can get yeah. so creative. They got a lot of weapons. I mean, Joku can be moved all over the place. Hooper can stand up and move all over the place. You got the other – I mean, it, this – but it all goes back to Wills and Conklin anchoring that offensive line or – it doesn't matter what else you do. Now they have the ability to do that. Yeah, I'm with you, Jake. I think this is the this is the opposite of what happened last year, but in the right way. Like if they if they put it all together and they fly a little bit under the radar like they're doing right now, and then they get hot, watch out because this team they have all they have all the pieces. But now it's like nobody's talking about them like they were last year. They're not on the cover of magazines and doing stupid stuff. Like just stay quiet. Stay humble, Baker, keep it all together and like go in and just earn that, point. earn just earn that back. 
Just earn it back. Great point, because you still have a new coaching staff. You have a new offense. You have a new defense. It's going to take a little while before that swag can really get going because they're not going to really understand what they want to do until, like, Halloween. They might have a bunch of wins. They might be heading towards being that. But when they figure out, okay, people can't really stop us. We have a good coaching staff. We've met. We've gelled together. And you get into Thanksgiving, then I expect that if if they're winning and they really figure this out, they can get rolling. Yeah, that's a good point about the second half surge. Because like the one factor that we can't account for is with all this stuff shut down, with the coronavirus stuff, you still have a new head coach coming in. How long is it going to take to get implement the system he wants to play and the roles he wants guys to play and the the termina- Like there's some things you can learn in advance, but that's going to be a factor having a new head coach in there trying to do this with no matter what happens, there's going to be some limitations in this offseason compared to a normal year, no matter when the league decides to start playing. Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to have an impact and it'll be interesting to just kind of pay attention to, to what that looks like um, when we get into reviewing this next year. Right. So I think it'll be something that's definitely going to have an impact across the league, but more so for those teams that are making transitions. All right. The last team here, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, not a ton of draft capital here. Right. So they, they made some moves, obviously Minka Fitzpatrick, their first round pick. Uh, so you have to kind of, adjust accordingly. I like to mention some of those things because it matters, right? We mentioned it with Indianapolis. Like, yeah, you don't have a first round pick, but you've got a guy who is a starter and surefire and it matters, right? So you can't just look at, you have to look at that whole situation as in totality. So their draft here, Chase Claypool, who ends up uh, 27th on that list uh, for fantasy for, for Dynasty, Alex Highsmith, Anthony McFarlane, Kevin Dotson, Antoine Brooks Jr., and uh, Go Big Red, Carlos Davis. A good, good old Husker boy. So they not a ton of draft capital, guys, but listen, they they have a they have a record of drafting wide receivers in mid later rounds and turning them into uh, superstars. So is somebody like Chase Claypool as, as a guy who's 27th overall in dynasty, does, does he move the needle for you at all, Jamie? Are you excited about him? He doesn't move the needle for me in year one, but he's very interesting because he could give them something they don't have. They've got a and especially they won't have if they decide not to resign Juju with all that stuff that came out since the last time we did the podcast, but they have a lot of thin but talented wide receivers on the outside. And Claypool's kind of that wide receiver tight end hybrid that you need you need some size and some muscle and something, especially when you get in the red zone, which is an area that they're using Eric Ebron in this year because they didn't have that last year. I'm interested that he can be that red zone threat for them a couple years down the road. I think there are too many mouths to feed right now with Washington and Johnson coming on last year, Juju back healthy. You have Ebron, you have McDonald. You're going to throw the ball to Samuels a bit out of the backfield. So you've got a lot of pass-catching mouths to feed in that offense for year one. But he's an intriguing prospect for me because he's not that prototypical wide receiver like some of the other guys we saw go in the top 50. Uh, for the other guys, where if you can look up, where does McFarland rank on, on, their, uh, on the keeper – or excuse me, dynasty rankings. Was he well, anywhere? I will close? look it up. I will look it up while you can do like that. So I like him a lot too. And I don't know how much longer James Connor is going to be the starter in, in Pittsburgh. There's a, there's a lot of things going to that. There's an injury history. Uh, I like Benny Snell, but Benny Snell's not somebody that's, he's a guy. Um, Jalen so, Samuels is a great pass catcher, but not really somebody you want to actually run the ball. What was the ranking page? So outside of the top 30 for Mike Taglier, but 26 in the consensus rankings. 
Okay. I was going to say somewhere around there because it, it might take a couple of years, but they're going to use multiple bats, backs in Pittsburgh. There's not a real – like if you could name the Steelers starting running back a year from now or two years from now, good luck because yeah. I don't think you know. And I think it's not going to be a one guy. Uh, so I think that's a really interesting uh, guy for them. Like the Antoine Brooks pick in round six as well at safety, just add depth to that area. I thought he was going to – I thought a guy he could possibly sneak into the fourth round. Um, so I like that pick there in the sixth round. They, they did pretty solid with the picks that they have. I'm just not a lot of these guys are going to make an impact in year one. I guess that would maybe be the the drawback to what they have there. But I think for the capital that they have, years two and three, I think is when you're really going to see these, especially the offensive guys on this list, start to make an impact. I got it. I don't know. I, I'm going to take an opposite approach. I'm not a huge uh, fan of Claypool in this pick. He doesn't really fit for me right now what they're doing. Ebron's there. Juju's there. I have a feeling he's a workout warrior. I mean, first round, second overall picks, number one receivers, five-star prospects aren't covering kicks at Notre Dame. Did it for all four years. Combine was ridiculous. The athleticism, he's a freak. He's a big, pretty son of a gun. That doesn't always translate to production on the field. You better have chemistry with Ben. You better run the entire route tree. You better have some shakes, some some stuff about you. Um, I, I don't know that he fits there at all right now. McFarland, I like. Did you throw Fitzpatrick in there as their first-round pick? It's a really solid draft. Um, maybe they felt like they had to take receiver and they wanted a big-bodied guy. And Claypool is intriguing. Like, you see it, and but a lot of the people I talk to are like, that's a workout warrior. That's not – that's, you know, one of those combine superstars that doesn't end up being – a star in the NFL. He ain't Juju. So if they're not going to re-sign Juju, somebody's giving Juju a ton of money to go somewhere else, and he's going to succeed. The, the kid has everything it takes to be a superstar. I don't see that with Claypool. I thought this draft was okay, but they didn't really have a lot of capital to play with. Yeah, they, they didn't have a lot to play with. That's why I brought up the Mika Fitzpatrick stuff, because it's important to keep that context. A lot of people were dogging on this overall draft class. And I said, guys, you can't, that's, that's like ignoring the fact that you're inserting Minka Fitzpatrick as a first overall pick. It's a pretty good first go, overall though? pick. They had to take a receiver basically. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Their defense I, is loaded. They could have gone corner, but there wasn't really corner, there, but yeah. middle of the second round where they picked. Jalen Johnson, I mean, maybe, was, but like. I, he would have fit. I, I like that, but they're going more zone. They're playing different than they did with true. the LeBeau stuff. Um, so, I mean, they're really good. I expect them to, with Ben back to be freaking hot. So adding another weapon that's a big-bodied guy that if he can be a star on the field and not just the, you know, the workout guy, I, more power to him because I expect them to be really damn good. That defense is going to be solid. Ben back at 90% of what he used to be, I think he might be better than he's been in a few years, and that's scary. He's healthy, but he's motivated. He's and under he's, the radar. He's, he's humble. And he's pain-free. Like if he's yeah. paid, if he's true, like I guarantee you, he was he was hurting uh, in those seasons. He also prior. hasn't played with a defense that's this complimentary since two thousand eight. That ten defense that lost to the Packers in the Super Bowl wasn't as near as good as the two thousand eight one, uh, but they were damn good. And then they kind of tapered off on defense for a while. They haven't had this defense until last year, and he wasn't there to take advantage of it. So you take those skills. They have plenty of running backs to run. They're still going to throw the crap out of it. I know Randy Fickner, Ben's back. He's going to be calling some of the plays. They're going to go no huddle a lot. Uh, they're going to throw it. So they have plenty of running backs, but I agree with you on your James Conner comment. I, I don't know that he can carry the load. I don't think he's as dynamic. And they're missing a guy like Le'Veon Bell. These third and fourth round running backs are not Le'Veon Bell. They're not a three down superstar. They can get it done with that, but they're going to have to put different guys in. And when you do that, it shows what formation you're in. 
more likely pass if Samuels is in the game. I mean, it's just you're not as dynamic as with a true third down, you know, three down guy. Yeah, and two points I want to make on that. One was, and we said this on the show before, but James Conner's path to the starting running back job in Pittsburgh was out of necessity, not out of planning. Uh, yes. I don't think anybody anticipated the Le'Veon Bell scenario to play out the way it did, especially given the offer that they made to Le'Veon Bell, that, that he was in their long-term plans and things just crumbled. Uh, and two, the other interesting thing that I, I look at going into the season as another plus for Ben Roethlisberger is he's coming back with a more polished receiving core. Deontay Johnson and James Washington were all potential the last time Roethlisberger was on the field. They really grew. Even though they didn't have great quarterback play late in the season, they really grew in all aspects of playing wide receiver. Both of them did. And now they both come back with a lot more confidence, a lot more experience under their belt. Now with better quarterback play, Juju might be able to move right back into the slot. You have Eric Ebron that can be a big threat in the red zone. That receiving group around Ben Roethlisberger, Wally was hurt matured and got a lot better i think that's really another exciting thing for steelers fans and for anybody that owns any shares of any of these steelers in fantasy yeah. by the way he loves vance mcdonald if he can stay healthy yep yeah this this offense is going to be fun to watch uh, again and i love the fact that they're just kind of just sitting back quiet not really seeing much about them because baltimore is kind of more the glitz and glamour of this division uh it's it's gonna be interesting this is gonna be one it should be this is a great division in football this is traditionally we get to see some all-time matchups but nice to see kind of the bottom come up um in cincinnati with getting joe burrow and then obviously cleveland making some strong moves this offseason so it should it should be a really really fun division let's finish up with a draft grade here jamie for the steelers what are you giving them just, I'm not going to include Fitzpatrick. So I'm just going to include okay. the players that they took there. I'll give them a C. Um, okay. They have a lot to work with. Uh, again, the Claypool one wouldn't be the pick I went with. I can see what they like in him. I like McFarland. They like the guy, uh, the safety they got in the sixth round. But it was, it was fine. It was C. I don't think they got any. I don't really don't think they got any impact players that's going to help them win the Super Bowl this season. Jake, yeah, B plus if you if, if you include Minka, but you're not. So yeah, C. It was okay. Too much unknown, not enough plug-and-play starters, but they're too damn good, really, to do that. I mean, it was uh, to not have a first-round pick and to count on the second-round guy to be a, not only a contributor but a starter is, is kind of tough on a team that's that solid. Uh, there was other guys there that they could have taken that I think would maybe have more immediate impact, but, it, you know, it was okay. It was solid. Yeah. Okay. Solid. We'll, we'll give them, uh, we'll allow it the, the C range, right, because we're, we're leaving Mink out. The worst but, draft in the division, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and look, least capital, least capital. And when it was all said and done, uh, just because this got talked about so much, and I and I was concerned when they traded the first round pick. The only quarterback they lost out on was Jordan Love, of the top guys for where they would have picked. So I mean, yeah. I think it's good to look back at this sometimes in retrospect because I was worried, especially with Roethlisberger hurt, that you're you're giving up a potential top ten pick. We thought at the time for Minka Fitzpatrick, who we love, but you might need a quarterback at that spot. In the end, it just. Really, Jordan yeah. Love was the only quarterback that they that would have trade ended up being damn good. Yeah, yes. it did. For it, both took of them. A, it took a lot of heat when it happened, but it ended up being a, a really good trade. It um, did until he had what two picks in his first game, and yeah, then he had about eight down yeah. the stretch. So yeah, it, it, didn't, and, it didn't take heat very long. It, until you realize that that defense was uh, keeping that offense uh, alive because that offense was atrocious, and that it was brutal to watch. Kept, they kept that kept that team in playoff contention until December, which was insanity to watch. So, and they would have made it under the new rules, believe I know. it or not. I mean, I, know. I mean, a Duck Hodges playoff game is what we've all been waiting for. But 
Uh, Honestly, right now, I would watch Duck Hodges play football, and I would be so excited about it. That's that's all I can say. I'd watch him do a duck call right now. That's all. I would watch just about anything football-wise, just to have some live sports. So, Jake, let's end the podcast like we always do, parting thoughts on today's podcast. Maybe the best division in football. Uh, AFC North, AFC West, freaking loaded. I mean, you're the big, Jamie said the Bengals are not going to want to play uh, when they get this thing figured out if they can stay healthy. But any of the other three, I can see winning 12 games to win the division. Like none of it would surprise me, even Cleveland. I don't think they're going to be that because they all got to play each other. But they're all capable of winning 11 or 12 games and being really, really good. Uh, I'm excited as hell that Ben's back healthy and still in the league. He needs to shave the beard. Holy dear God, is it awful. You are not Brett Kiesel, brother. That's that's that was the beard. This is not. I don't know what this is, um, but it's it's exciting. The AFC North, man, and look, they're kind of back to being bruising. This is weird that the Steelers are going to be this high flying team. I think the Browns are going to still going to hit you in the mouth and run the crap out of it too with those tackles that they got. Uh, but fun division overall. Yeah, really exciting division. Uh, for my money, they're the second best division of football, just behind the AFC West. But they're close. Uh, you don't want to play any of these teams, uh, period, end of story. I think there's a really good chance the Steelers and Ravens are only one game apart in the final standings. I, I know that's not a knock on Baltimore, but uh, I'm really high on Pittsburgh. And Baltimore's not going to win 14 games. Sorry, just it's not going to happen, not in that division. There's a good chance the Bengals are the only team with a losing record in that division. I could see three teams being nine wins or better. Uh, I think right now I'd have Cleveland around, around eight or nine, Pittsburgh around 10, Baltimore around 11. Um, but uh, – it's going to be really exciting to watch all of the AFC North games are always fun to watch against each other. And they're going to be even more so this year because what's the worst, what's the worst matchup you're going to get quarterback wise. What J- Joe Burrow versus Baker Mayfield. That's yeah, the worst. That's the worst case scenario. And best case is Ben and Lamar. Like yeah. I, to me, this is just going to be every one of those games are going to be extremely exciting, especially late in the season as they always are. They always play each other close and, I could see three playoff teams coming from this division. It's possible. The AFC West is going to have their say on that, but there, it could be as many as three teams make the playoffs. Yeah, this uh, this was a fun division to go through. My parting thoughts here are to Nick Diaz, who is in our YouTube comments. First and foremost, the Bears will absolutely not be finishing fourth in the division. I will put whatever you want on that. And the only person that gets to call me baby girl is B.A. Nobody else. So, don't sorry. I was going to say your boyfriend, but it, well, take BA. I'm glad you commented. No, on she doesn't me. even let her boyfriend do that. No, it's the yeah. only Call person. Your boyfriend calls her ma'am. A lot more respect than that. <laughs> it's like literally the only person that I tolerate that. I've been biting my group. tongue for 30 minutes on this. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only person. It's the only person that I allow that to happen from because it's, it comes with the with the sweetest intention. So that's the only reason it's allowed to happen. So. Guys, how can everybody follow you both on social media? Jamie, you first. Yeah, you follow me at Jamie Eisner. I might need to spell it since I'm never involved in any of these. It's J-A-I-M-E-E-I-S-N-E-R. So I would like to be involved. I feel a little bit left out of all these hate tweets. So send to Jamie. Jake B. Arians for me on Twitter. Oh my gosh. Uh, you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You can send all Jameis Winston takes two at Jamie Eisner. Uh, neither Jake or I will be reading any of them, so feel free to send them directly to Jamie. And please rate, review the podcast. We really appreciate it. I just got 
the t-shirts in. So we'll be shipping those out to people that are giving us ratings and reviews. Really appreciate that. And you guys, as always, check out everything that we're doing at thedraftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.